Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 26 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, Dave Hogue. How you doing, Dave? Doing all right. Doing all right? Doing all right. Yeah. yeah. Kind of okay? No, I'm doing great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is, this is a, an historic day, to use proper English. Many, many good things happened today, Dave. Yes. The t-shirts started to arrive. Yes. I got a text yesterday, actually, from my in-laws, who I didn't know bought t-shirts. So those two mystery shirts, I didn't know who bought them. (laughs) My mother-in-law, my father-in-law. They're wonderful people. So uh, they started to arrive. Dave sent me a text message this morning, which he promptly tweeted, which was amazing. Uh, And then I went home for lunch today from work to pick mine up and was very excited to receive them. Uh, only to note that the text on the back of my two t-shirts is tilted at about a five degree angle. So the rest of my day was ruined. Essentially (laughs) I was in a horrible mood. So I will be sending them back to Teespring, uh, in order to receive ones that are printed properly. So if yours, hopefully no one else that I've talked to so far has had a bad experience with their t-shirts, minor little stuff here and there, but not as bad as mine. So I feel like that was God's way of just being like, and just calm down. So anyhow, uh, the shirts are here. The hoodies are here. They look great. The bear looks awesome on the front. Dave got a gray one. I got a blue one. Yes, you know. and I wore mine to my son's elementary school, and they're the Madison Bears. And oh. everybody was like, oh, where'd you get the bear T-shirt? <laughs> I never thought about that. That's awesome. So it was really funny because they're like, I haven't seen those before. I was like, well, they're really uh, something different. Yes. So. Do you have a moment to talk about Jesus? <laughs> Although the uh, particular teacher that had the longest conversation with me, I think she's a Christian. So Ah, those pesky Christians. I know. Anyways, so if you got a shirt, we are very thankful, but we would love for you to uh, send us a photo on Twitter or Instagram so we can see how awesome you look in it. Uh, we'll put the photos that Dave and I took earlier in the show notes just so you can laugh because we both made really embarrassing faces. <laughs> also, we've had... Five people take the survey so far, uh, which is great. And thank you to those people who have, because it's actually me and Dave have had quite a few conversations about the results of the survey. And we're very happy um, with how those have gone. Um, but more people, the more people that take the survey, the better idea we'll have of how we can improve what we do and how we do it to meet the needs of the greater audience. So there's a link to it at the very top of the show notes that will take you to the survey. Um, It's going to take you probably five or six minutes to fill out, but it would be really helpful to us just to kind of get a better idea of what sort of people are in our audience so that we can better um, tailor what we do and how we do it to those folks to make this an even better listening experience for you. So click on the link at the top of the show. Dave, uh, right before we started talking, there was this, this new weird thing that happened. Can you, can you tell me? What that might have been? New weird thing? Well, weird, different, uh, un- undone in our first 25 episodes. Weird is cool, man. <laughs> weird is cool. We have new equipment. We do have new equipment. So we're no longer on a single condenser mic. We each have our own microphone. We're running through a mixing board. And we have booms. And we have shock mounts. And we have, what are these things called? The spit guards? Pop filters. <laughs> Pop filters. They help protect against the plosive sounds. Gotcha. That's, that's inside baseball. So hopefully 
you all are hearing a little bit of a difference. Uh, we're still uh, in my basement that has concrete walls, so we may address that as well. Well, yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we're uh, we're running blind here, folks. But Dave was gracious enough to um, buy us a whole bunch of really awesome equipment. So if you appreciate the new sound, be sure to let Dave know on Twitter. Actually, let my wife know. Oh yes, oh yes, please just. Total Twitter spam, Melissa. Please, yeah. do you know what's her what's her Twitter handle? Melissa's Twitter handle it's is M-Hog. at mhog ninety four, and that's h o g u e. Yep, at mhog ninety four. So if you're listening and you want to make both mine and Dave's week, please just shower at mhog ninety four with some serious love on Twitter. That would be awesome. She'll hate us, but it'll be totally awesome. <laughs> Yes. Uh, another thing that's new, because this is just a day of new things. It is. Uh, there was some music before we started talking, which is what I was hinting at, but Dave missed that hint, because oh. apparently I wasn't <laughs> so good at that. Uh, we have new intro music. We have new intro music. We which... we wanted it for a while. And Kim just, worked very hard to make that happen. And, and my, many of my first efforts were very poor. Um, and I knew them and I still show them to Dave anyways in hopes that he might say, Oh, that's great. And it was just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's not the right fit. (laughs) So we waited and we tried and in about my fourth or fifth attempt, we got something that I think we both are content with. Yeah. I like it. Um, so hopefully that was a nice little surprise for you guys, uh, as you hit play in your podcast app of choice. So if you guys have any comments on the new music, or the new audio, uh, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Um, we'd love to know because you know what? We're not perfect and we're still learning, obviously, how this all works. So let us know on Twitter at Masterclass FM, uh, or you can get me on Twitter at Cam Brennan or Dave at 10.8HBO. That's T-E-N, the number 8HBO. Uh, or you can email us at MasterclassFM at gmail.com. Now, all of this stuff and the things that we continue to talk about the rest of the episode will be linked in our show notes, which can be found at, David? Our show notes are available at oh, masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 26. And that is because we are on the 26th episode. It is. And if you have one of those fancy podcast apps on your smartphone, you can probably just swipe up on the artwork and the show notes will magically appear below the artwork. They do do that. It's pretty clever. I think I learned that about two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so half a year into this. Yes. Well, you got to learn new things every day, Dave. True. Ongoing education, right? Yep. All right. Now, before we dive into the text for today, we do have a bit of Suggested reading that would, uh, I think, apply very well to what we're about to talk about. Yes. And we have mentioned this book before. It is The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, Dave, I know that you have read this book, and you've mentioned it many times in the past. I feel like you were probably, um, on the spot at least, a better uh, option to kind of explain why this would be a good book to read. I've not read it since college, and I feel like it should be on my list of things to read next. Um, the, the book was originally called discipleship in German. So whatever the translation for discipleship. I, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, 
And that was terrible. I apologize. I offended all of Germany. Email Dave. I'm sorry. Um, and so uh, basically the book is in response to this idea of cheap grace. In other words, um, I pray a prayer, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and not a whole lot has to change in my life. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer in uh, The Cost of Discipleship basically uh, focuses on uh, Jesus' call to us that um, when he calls us, he calls us to come and die, basically die to ourselves and be born to him. And um, this is, as we've been looking at Matthew 8, what is it, 18 through 22 that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, it's very much, I think, uh, about that, about that, about the cost of, of what it means to follow Jesus. And um, it's very challenging uh, because uh, you think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian in Germany during World War II. He had the opportunity to leave Germany uh, and be in the United States during uh, Hitler's reign and very much felt like he would have no credibility after the war if he did not return to Germany and uh, stand up for what he believed in. So uh, I'm actually kind of giving you more about who Bonhoeffer is than about the, the, the cost of discipleship, but ouch. <laughs> um, so anyway, it, it, it is well worth a read. Uh, this is somebody that lived out his faith uh, to the point of uh, becoming a martyr and dying for what he believed and uh, ultimately didn't get to see uh, post-Hitler Germany. He uh, was hanged. Uh, Days before the Allied forces uh, liberated, he was hanged. He was hanged, hanged oh, in the I gallows. It was a, uh, no, he was hanged, and it was God. like, I don't know. It's the beginning of April, nineteen forty-five, I think. That's no good. So, yeah, yep. And um, I, he also has. There's also a biography about Dietrich Bonhoeffer out there that I did not read, but I listened to. As I've mentioned before, I'm a big audio. That was one of the books I got when I parted ways with FBC. Was the Bonhoeffer? It's like two inches yeah, thick. I it's listened. No joke. I had to listen. I listened to it on Audible.com, and well worth listening to it. Um, it's he Bonhoeffer just led the kind of life that I wish. I mean, I hope I can live. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I know it sounds goofy to say it or kind of morbid, but I would be honored to be martyred for Christ. I just, <laughs> uh, the way things are right now, I don't think that'll happen, but you never know what uh, may change in our world. So yeah, isn't that the truth? We'll, uh, we'll have a link to the Bonhoeffer, uh, biography as well. Um, it's, it's always stares at me. I have it right next to, uh, a book by Stephen Hawking, on <laughs> the integers. And it's just like, I look at those and I just shudder. And then, then I have, you know, like Jonathan Edwards stuff. It's just like all these books that I bought with the intent of reading, but they kind of scare me. Yeah, I, I would. And I've mentioned this before. I, I really think the, the Bonhoeffer biography is one of those that I would highly recommend as an audible book that you can listen to because there are a lot of German names in it <laughs> that can be difficult to figure out how to say. And, um, it, it is, it's very lengthy. I mean, it literally goes, um, from his childhood through, uh, the different things that he did during the war. And, um, 
yeah so well worth a look yeah and a lot of a lot of what Bonhoeffer gets into depth in, in that book are the things that we're going to touch on yes. today. So this is not just a plug for a book so that you <laughs> buy it and we'll get two bucks, but this is actually a very relevant book that um, has sold millions of copies for very good reasons. It is a must read. Even though I went to Taylor University in Indiana and it was required reading for anyone who wanted to be an RA. Oh, really? Yeah. It was part of the class that you took to become an RA the following year. Like, This is what we're about. You're not an RA to be like the boss or the big man on campus. You're an RA to serve the other guys or girls on your floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very much like from day one, this is what the position is about. It's about servant leadership. Um, and so I read it then, and, and I don't think I understood half of it because I was, you know, young and stupid um but i remember thinking this is kind of insane i mean and we're going to get into that here in a minute maybe we should, we should just jump into that um but uh, definitely a recommended read and it's certainly uh, up next on my to read list because i would like to write a book review for it i think that would be something useful that we could put on our website yeah i would so, agree anyways david yes, would you uh would you read us the text i'll try all right, Matthew eight eighteen through 22. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Ouch. Yeah. All right. So, first question. Why does Jesus try to get away from the crowd in verse 18? That seems kind of like an un-Jesus thing to do. I, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that we discussed last week, and that is um, the crowd was gathering for... Well, I'm not going to say the wrong. Well, yeah, okay, I'm going to say the wrong reasons. They were gathering for the wrong reasons. They were gathering uh, for the novelty of Jesus and the fact that he was healing people. And, uh, you know, there's kind of this, hey, there's this guy doing this stuff up on the mountain and everybody wants to go see and check it out. And uh, I don't think the crowd at this particular point was there to follow him because they wanted to hear the gospel. I think there was very much a, um, again, a, a carnality about why they were there. It was very much about them and being entertained, uh, maybe having a disease healed or something like that, versus um, wanting to um, hear the gospel preached. And I think Jesus just said, it's, it's time to move on um, a little bit for himself a little bit of I'm I'm exhausted. I'm getting overwhelmed by this crowd because yes, I do believe Jesus got tired. I do believe that he got uh, overwhelmed by what was going on. Um, maybe not overwhelmed, but just sort of a sense of this has gotten too big. Uh, it's not about what I'm here for. And I well, think there's. I mean, he's human. Yeah, like, he felt stress. He felt anxiety. He felt tired he felt overwhelmed like that's not that doesn't 
make him less of a messiah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like he he got tired. Like he was a carpenter. He knew what a hard day's work was. And when all those people are requiring him to, you know, teach and uh, provide miracles and all that stuff, I imagine there were some days where he was just like, I'm really tired. Um, which kind of leads me to my point is like, I get what you're saying about, you know, maybe the crowd came at the wrong reasons and that sort of stuff. But part of me is like, maybe he just wanted to get away to rest because if we fast forward to the next passage after this, he's sleeping, he's sleeping in the middle of a storm where all of his disciples think they're going to die. So the dude was obviously (laughs) wiped. Right. I mean, he was just kind of done. And so, uh, while I agree with what you said that, that, that is potentially, Cam, I think you're disagreeing with me. I think you're arguing with me now. I'm so angry. <laughs> no, but I just think, is it, is it possible that Jesus could forego healing people because he was tired and that's an okay thing? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people Jesus did not heal. We talked about that right. last episode. But again, I think I don't think he came to have big crowds following him. I don't think... Um, he came for worldly success. I think it just, it really was, um, you know, if we go back to uh, when we started in Matthew 5, I think he did have some dedicated followers, some people that wanted to be there. And it really just, it, it grew and it kind of became something that um, I don't think he felt like he was about. And definitely there was an element of, I'm tired, I'm ready to to let's go. Uh, and like you said, that's backed up by the fact that he crashes in the middle of a storm. Which is pretty impressive, I must say. It is impressive. I mean, I've slept through storms, but never on a boat. No. All right. So let's let's move on. I think we've got more important fish to fry, what they say. Uh, is there, in your opinion, Dave, any significance uh, in the person attempting to follow Jesus here being a scribe? I think... I think there, there's some significance in that um, a scribe was not amongst his initial people that he chose to be his disciples. You know, he picked people like fishermen and uh, tax collectors and people that wouldn't necessarily have a ton of credibility or maybe credibility is the wrong word. They didn't carry, their their position in this world didn't carry a lot of weight behind it. Whereas I think... I think a uh, a scribe does have that. Um, there, um, a, a scribe being a follower of Jesus uh, would have been somebody that could have had a lot more um, weight behind their name or influence into uh, expanding Jesus' ministry. Yeah, the scribes were um, the type of folks back in Jesus' day that taught, interpreted, uh, and regulated the law in Israel. Um, They did a lot of uh, teaching, a lot of authoritative type stuff when it came to the law. And so having somebody like that uh, on his side, as it were, may prove to have uh, uh, or to provide some clout uh, with um, the people around him. So I think it's, it's certainly something that we shouldn't overlook the fact that this guy's a scribe. 
Um, but I think that Jesus' response is rather telling to this scribe's question. And so Jesus' response to him is, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What the heck does this mean? It's just such a like an esoteric response. Well, I think ultimately it means he's homeless. A very simple, just pragmatic, which is true. He didn't, you know, after leaving his family to begin his ministry, he really didn't have a house, didn't have a place where he laid. But, um, you know, I, I think this scribe was basically coming to Jesus saying, you know, I'll follow you. I'll, I'll go wherever you're going to go. And in the back of the scribe's mind, he's thinking, this guy, to the throne. this guy's the Messiah. Yeah. And if I can get in tight with this guy, then when he becomes the Messiah, it's only going to benefit me. And um, I think he, I, you know, I, I think he probably genuinely believed I'll follow you anywhere. Um, much like we all do. I mean, I think, what I actually say and what I actually believe, there's probably, uh, well, I know there is, there's a discrepancy between those two. But um, ultimately, Jesus is like, that's fine, but hey, I think there's a, him being pretty straightforward and honest with this guy, this scribe of just saying, you're not getting what you think you're getting. I'm letting you know on the front end of things, if that's what you want to do, it isn't going to lead to where you think it's going to lead. So is it safe to assume that there may be more to that statement than uh, meets the eye, if I can quote Transformers? <laughs> like, to me, it seems that it is kind of a weird way to say, like, look, man, I just travel and have nowhere to stay. Like, there might be, like, I think you're right, but I think there might be more to it than just the the obvious. And maybe I'm trying to be too cute with this. I don't really no, I've I've never been a good uh cute person. It wasn't <laughs> one of my strengths. Um but like my first thought is, you know, Jesus being fully God and fully man is is only kind of partially from earth. You know, there's uh this whole one of my buddies in college that I was in a band with for a while wrote a song called Tourist. And it was the whole idea of the song was like that we're just kind of tourists on earth. This isn't where we belong. Mm-hmm. This isn't our home. We're here to visit. And then we go to where we're supposed to go back, right. back home. And it was a super catchy tune. It was, <laughs> it was a really, really well, well done. Um, but I kind of wonder if, if Jesus is not getting at or is getting at um, something along those lines of like, I don't think you quite understand what you're signing up for. Sure. Not only do like, I don't have a place to lay my head because my my resting place is not here. I'm here to do a job, and then ultimately I'm going to go back to where I belong. And there's um, and I'm forgetting where I have it here in the show notes. I think it's uh, it's later on, maybe Matthew 10, where he says, "I go to prepare a place for you." Uh, it's probably later in Matthew. I'll I'll look it up. I'll have it in the show notes. I'll have the right reference. Um, but you know, uh, Audio Adrenaline wrote a song about that big big house with lots and lots of rooms. We play football in the front yard, right? Um, We'll totally have that in the show notes too. Um, but when he's telling this, this scribe who knows the law back and forth, who has written it and copied it and taught it and all that stuff, he's saying like, I know you think 
like you mentioned, the Messiah, I'm going to ride you all the way to the top. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Like I have nowhere on this planet to rest. When I go to rest, guess what? I'm going to wake up three days later and I'm going to change everything. Um, so I guess my follow-up question to my train of thought there is, should we expect as followers of Christ to experience a similar feeling of foreignness to the world that we live in, of never feeling quite at home, knowing what our eternal destiny is? Yeah, because I, I think that's ultimately when, you know, you, you get things that you think you want and they don't satisfy I think it's ultimately because we're longing for our eternal home. And I think that's really what what that's all about, that everything that we try to in this world um, to fulfill us really falls short. And obviously, you know, Jesus is what fulfills, but I do believe that there is an eternal uh, perspective that we are, are shooting for. Um you know, for the longest time, I used to kind of say to myself, it's not about this world. It's not about this life. And over time that has changed for me because I do think it's about this. I do think there's an element of this life is about getting to know him so that when we do get to heaven, that relationship is already there. And it's not just a matter of, um, surviving this life and just hanging on until we get to the next one, but very much a getting to know him in circumstances that are less than ideal to get to know him. Um, yeah, that's no joke. Yeah. And so, um, I, I'm just realizing too, just how much work it really takes to get to know him. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's, that's ultimately, I think that was even a part of what, um, when we're talking about him going across, is it, is it, um, Galilee? What, what was the like, um, not Galilee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh well, no. Oh no. gosh. Oh my gosh. Not Galilee. <laughs> because of the G in that order. Yeah. The Galilean sea, right? I don't know. Oh my gosh. We're the worst ex youth pastors ever, Dave. <laughs> I'm I'm getting Here, old. My, you keep stalling. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ask Google, which is so depressing. The Sea of Galilee. Yeah. The what sea are you Ga- What are you saying? Is not Galilee for the Sea Dave? of Galilee? <laughs> Making me question everything. Okay, everyone that just listened to that, we're gonna audio Men in Black you right now, so you forget the last thirty seconds. <laughs> Dave, it's the Sea of Galilee. You were correct, the sea of sir. Galilee, yes. Well, you know, and here's here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that I that do you ever have to like write on a whiteboard? Well, I'll, I'll say I have to write on a whiteboard or on an easel in front of a group of a people. And whenever I'm writing in front of a group of people, and I can't really s- see the perspective of what I'm writing, I always like I'm always like I can't grasp this. And then I feel like when we're sitting here in front of these microphones, I kind of have those same moments of I know that's right. It doesn't sound right, and. I guess if we were really professional, I wouldn't share that. I would just you need go to with have it. confidence, Dave. Confidence Holy Spirit lives within you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so when Jesus is saying, "Hey, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee," I think even in that, um, I think there's multiple reasons for why they did that. But again, I think it's one of those things of, well, let's see how many of these other people continue to follow. You know, let's let's put a kind of a let's make this a little bit difficult and see who's on the other side see if it's really about the novelty for them. 
uh, if they're true followers, then they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to show up, you know, it may take them a week or two longer than us, but mm-hmm. they'll be there. And I, um, I, I do think there's quite a bit of effort in getting to know who Jesus is, who Jesus is. And that's part of that cost of discipleship. I I think in America we've just we've watered down the gospel so much about it being about praying a prayer and just believe that Jesus is the, your Lord and Savior and wow everything's great and I'll just tell you it's it is a struggle there's definitely effort to follow him and to know him and um I think there are parables that support that you know there's there's the gospel is full of stories of it being something that we, if we really think it is worth what it it's worth, but we're going to make a whole lot of effort to get that. And I'm not, I'm not even sitting here pretending like <laughs> I'm really good at it. Um, but I know I often say to God, I'm like, why is this so hard? Why does this take so much work? And I think implicit in that is kind of a, will you finish strong? Will you be somebody that at the end of your life, you're still pursuing me the same way when you first heard the gospel. All right. Agreed. (laughs) All right. So this title, son of man, what does that mean? It's kind of a interesting turn of phrase. And and folks that are familiar with the old Testament will know that it's mentioned elsewhere. Um, But in my research, David, Mm -hmm came across this little tidbit. The Son of Man is the third most common title for Jesus in the Bible, but it is, it is his favorite self-designation. So whenever he refers to himself in the third person, as totally normal people do all the time, uh, he refers to himself the most often as the Son of Man. So uh, what, what is that about? I honestly don't know a lot about that. This is this is one of those things that, like, even if I did study it, I'm not sure that. Um, I don't. I, I guess I'll just. I'm gonna say I don't know. I don't. I don't totally understand it because, um, son of man to me, and I'll just be honest. Like when I hear that, I don't think, oh, that's God, or that's. A holy person, or that's a spiritual person. When I hear, yeah, it seems kind of backwards. Son of man, I think so. I, I think very much the human side of Jesus. Well, and that's um, in in the reading and preparation I did. A lot of people will read the Son of Man and think, "Oh, that's Jesus being humble. That's him equating with the human side of uh, you know who he is and who he represents and who he came to save." Um, but again, a lot of stuff that I read, um, also points back to that in Daniel, it's said of the son of man in Daniel seven fourteen. uh, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. That's not so very humble. No, um, that is so that, I mean, that's who, in the, the prophecies in Daniel, that's who the Son of Man is. He represents the person who has dominion and glory in a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. 
it's everlasting and shall not pass away. So when we read Son of Man, yeah, our our first reaction may be, oh, that's Jesus equating with the human, that's him being humble. No, it's it's when when Jesus, especially in the presence of the Pharisees and the scribes, refers to himself as the Son of Man, they know exactly who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. The one prophesied in Daniel to come and establish a never-ending, never-to-be-destroyed dominion over all of mankind, which is you know, why the, they thought the Messiah was going to come and set up, you know, take, take over from Rome and, and do all that sort of stuff. So when Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, um, he's not trying to be humble. He is staking his claim as the uh, dominating force for the rest of eternity, um, which is kind of a bold move, <laughs> you know, kind of. Um, you know, and it's like in Luke six, five, where he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, which is pretty much him telling the Pharisees, Hey, guess what? I'm God deal with it. Um, it's, it's very much the same thing when he refers to himself as the son of man, he is staking his claim as I will be in charge of the never ending kingdom from here into eternity. That is who I am. So when I refer to myself this way, the most of any other title that I have, he's making it pretty obvious that he intends to be here for a while <laughs> and to be in charge. Um, but I think it's an important aspect or uh, concept about Christ to understand is that yes, he was humble and yes, he was merciful and yes, he was graceful. But when push came to shove, he never backed down from the truth of who he was and what he came to do. Uh, he was always ready to explain who he was and what he was about, whether or not it was in a parable or not. He was always clear. You just kind of had to see through the haze of what you brought to the table. If that makes any sense, I don't think it does. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess this is one of those things that I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on. Because, as I mentioned, just even the term, I, like, I still don't quite get son of, like, why son of man? Why not son of God? Why not? Yeah, that, that I think, yeah, will require some, re- I'm not sure why that, because it does seem kind of backwards, like you said. Even if it said son of the man, <laughs> that would make, that would make. Man, you work for the man? I'm his kid. It's rough. <laughs> Because he is the man. Yep. I mean, he is the man of the all. The disembodied man. <laughs> of all the man. So, um, yeah. I, I'm i kind of having one of those moments of just like. So can I assign you homework for sure. follow-up next week? Sure. I don't know that I'll have a good answer for it. but Well. <laughs> I'm making efforts. It's the to, thought that counts, Dave. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I did a little real quick on my Bible app searching. Son of man. And I'm noticing that quite a few verses in Ezekiel use son mm. of man. That, you got, that classic book. <laughs> you got Ezekiel and then you have um the gospels. So very interesting. Well, I will assign you that homework, Dave. Okay, I will gladly accept that <laughs> assignment and I will do my best to Properly represent. Well, he's a man of his word, so I'm sure he'll 
I'll have Hebrew memorized by next week. No. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. What is verse, what's going on in verse 22? Uh, just for reference, verse 22 says, And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Um, I help, please. That it's just weird, and it seems kind of mean. Like the guy's like, "Let me stay and bury my father," and Jesus says, "Nope, we gotta go." Yeah, and it, it just seems rather insensitive. Um, and Jesus is such a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. He's the Christian Dave. He's supposed to be a nice guy. <laughs> no, Jesus was not a nice guy. No, not that. I definitely don't believe. Uh, you know, um, I think this is one of those times where, and I don't, I'm not going to claim to have a huge grasp on this, but I, I have a, a sense of um, going to bury my father is different than the way we would interpret that in 21st century America. And so I think when we hear that, we think, let me go bury my father. Like my dad died. I've got funeral plans to go do. And, um, you know, give me two weeks and I'll be ready to go kind of a thing. I don't think his daddy's even remotely close to death or sick. And I think Mm -hmm. this is, I think this is a, and again, I'm, I'm speaking from a vague memory here on this one a little bit. Uh, but even as I read it, I feel like there's, there's, there's definitely a sense of, let me go bury my father. Like this is more about, let me finish my life as I know it. Let me f- finish my commitment to my dad. Um, uh, dad's a carpenter. I'm a carpenter. I, I owe it to him to, to keep the family business in line. Uh, once my dad dies, then I'll be ready to follow you. And I think there's, we're talking like 20, 30, 40 years down the road. I don't think this is a dad just died or is, he's on his deathbed. Why do you think that? I, I, you said vague memory. <laughs> I, have, I have this vague recollection of um, hearing that be taught somewhere. But I just, I, 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 again, I even think um, this is one of the things that I'm trying to learn how to do is I'm trying to not put, uh, when I read my Bible, I'm not trying to put 21st century, uh, American white middle-class fairly affluent values on what the Bible says. And when somebody, when somebody says something, uh, well, when this person in this particular verse says, uh, let me go bury my father. Um, and then, um, I will follow you. Um, that language to me has that not hugely familiar with Middle Eastern culture or whatever, but it has that, that, that flavor to me of, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about something different than just going in and, and having a funeral service. It, to me, it's a, well, it's kind of, I'll put it to you this way. I think it's, I think it's in contrast to who the scribe is. I think the scribe is one end of the spectrum of Jesus. I'll follow you anywhere. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'm there and I'm with you. So, um, he's the, uh, the scribe is the haste makes waste, uh, uh, version of this story. And then I think this guy that wants to go, um, 
bury his his father is um uh um holy moly i can't <laughs> think of the word that i'm thinking right now uh hesitant <laughs> yeah. um the procrastinator i think he is the the other extreme of don't do today what we can do tomorrow kind of uh version of this event so i think um I think there's a little bit of uh, contrasting being done between these two people who are coming up to Jesus at this particular point. And uh, he's basically, in a, in a sense, telling us, don't be either of these people. Do what you say you're going to do. And, you know, don't commit to more than what you know you can commit to. So uh, I think there's a lot of us that very genuinely will be like, oh, Jesus, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And we're kind of jumping in before we really know what we're committing to. And then there's those of us that are like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get to that. I'll eventually do that. And um, again, not that I have the answers or I've figured it all out, but I definitely think there's a a steady progression of following him day in, day out, maybe skipping a day or two here and going, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I haven't thought about Jesus in a while. I need to get caught back up on that. Pagan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess some of my thoughts on on that um, is, you know, it's it's mentioned multiple times that Jesus spoke with authority. Yes. And authority is not always the easiest pill to swallow, right? It's not, when someone speaks with authority, it's not always gentle, it's not always caring, but it's always true, right? And so I think um, sometimes when, you know, he spoke to people um it might come across as blunt but sometimes that's the way the truth is best delivered because you kind of have to deal with it and confront it you know in the moment um and so some i guess in this situation it may be like look this is what it takes to follow me so do it or don't but make a choice right yeah like this is what i'm calling you to so choose to go bury your dead or choose to follow me. Like this is the moment of decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's unfair for God to call us to follow him in the midst of something like a death of a parent. Like I was thinking to myself, like what if, you know, uh, I felt that God had called me to move to Arizona. Which is the only reason on the planet I would move to Arizona is if I felt God calling. Because I hate hot weather. I can't stand it. Like, we're going to Colorado this weekend for our anniversary, Meredith and I, and the high is like 64 and the low is like 47. I'm ecstatic, Dave. It's like the perfect It's time. like my, <laughs> the, the best weather on the planet, and I'm going to be there. So the only reason I would ever move to a place like Arizona would be if I felt the undeniable call of God for me to go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I get to Arizona and get set, my mom and my dad were to pass away. But I can't go back for the funeral and to handle the estate because I will be the person in charge of the estate if, one of, if they both pass. That falls on me. I know that. Um, but if, if what God has called me to do in Arizona is there and the funerals back in Michigan. I don't think that God doesn't want me to go to go to a funeral or to mourn the the death of a loved one. But I think the, the trigger here is 
there there may be for some of us the situation where God has called us to do something now that is more important than being present with something as drastic as the death of a parent. And some people, most people won't understand that. Oh my God, I, I cannot believe that Cam's not here for his own dad's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would like to think um, that I would have the um, faith to do what I think God wanted me to do in that situation because I would want to be at my dad's funeral as morbid as that sounds more than anything on the planet. I love my dad. He raised me well. He's a good man and I need to be there. But if I know in my heart that God has called me elsewhere for that time, then you're in this position where God says, let the dead bear their their dead. I need you over here. And to me, that is an incredible test of faith and understanding that God has an eternal perspective that we may not see in the midst of trying to follow Christ, but also dealing with an incredible loss, mm-hmm. especially the, the death of a father or mother. Um, you know, I'm only going to maybe experience that twice. That's assuming they both pass before I do. Right. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. It's going to suck like <clears throat> incredibly. Um, but I think that there is, there is something that we need to consider that God may call people to not be present at those types of situations for their families because God has called them elsewhere, yeah. which is going to be really hard for people to understand in the midst of grieving over the loss of someone so important um, as, as a paternal figure. Um, and this you know, gets into like Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 to 38, where, where God says, you know, I didn't come to bring peace. I'm going to separate mother from from child and and father and brother and sister and all this stuff um, because we are called to love Christ more than we are to love even our own family, which if you come from a good family is really hard to grasp. And if you come from a crappy family, you're like, oh, done. That's no sweat. I got that locked down. Um, But one of the quotes I found in an article from the Gospel Coalition says that Jesus is not a commitment among other commitments rather the commitment of our lives. Therefore, as Augustine points out, we must take care to order our lives properly, ensuring that our, infec- that our affections are set upon Christ and not another. And so I guess that kind of wraps up what I'm saying is it, is it is great to love family. It is great to love friends. It is great to have a strong family. But at the end of the day, use a cliche, our affiliations or our affections must be completely on Jesus, knowing that he gives us friends and family as a blessing, but they are not the end of what we exist for. We exist to glorify God. Um, they're just something pleasant and enjoyable that he gives us uh, along the way. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily something you're going to hear on Sunday at church. No. So I just, it's, it's one of those things like you don't want to say it, but you kind of have to, like your family's really important, <laughs> but, but not more important than God. No, not at all. No. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, and, um, 
I think Abraham and Isaac is a great example of that. So he was willing to sacrifice his son because God told him to. I don't even have kids, and I can't even imagine. I know. I mean, he was going to do it. So, so I guess uh, to kind of go towards a wrap-up here, I think we're getting towards the end. Is this sort of attitude towards Jesus, like this ultimate uh, faith, is that really what we think about when we think of being a disciple of Jesus? Or do we just think about going to church and going to Bible study and getting our kids in Awana? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> is this sort of um, dedication what we readily accept and expect from following Jesus? I know for me, a lot of times that's not the case. Like, I just want my life to be easy because I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. But the more that I study, the life of Jesus on earth and the teachings in the Bible as a whole, the more I understand Jesus didn't come to give us an easy life. Abundant. Yes. Easy. No way. Right. That's just, that's not part of the equation. It never is. And if anyone tells you it is, don't assault them. Cause that would be, you know, a felony, <laughs> but at the same time, I think someone just went to the bathroom. <laughs> We'll have to address that for next episode. <laughs> Dave is sitting three feet from the sewage pipe. I'm bringing you live updates from the basement and Gardner. Dave can hardly contain himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, back to where we were talking about Jesus and not, not the drain. We didn't think that one through. No. <laughs> well, and honestly, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Well, the good news is, is we caught it in high def audio, Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh boy, perfect timing too. <laughs> All right. So, in uh, the Dictionary of Jesus and the Gospels, one of those big, thick books I bought in college for academic purposes, I did find this. It says, "Those who become disciples of Jesus enter the service of the kingdom." And only those who are prepared to undergo drastic sacrifice are fit for the kingdom. And I think that that might be a good summation of what Jesus is calling both the scribe and this disciple to. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of which end of the spectrum you are on as far as commitment or zealousness or commitment elsewhere, every single person who is going to find a home in the kingdom of God is going to be required to sacrifice, regardless of who you are, where you come from, what your skill set is, who, how famous or poor your family is, everyone is required to sacrifice something in order to become closer to God. That's mm-hmm. just part of the deal. So, man, they're still going, aren't they? Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> Dave. Yes. Can you hold it together for a few more minutes? <laughs> no. <laughs> This is totally going to be our most popular episode. I can feel it. (laughs) This is, uh, oh boy. All right. So what does this passage, this is probably just a summation thought here. What does this passage teach us about following Jesus today? Because this is a story from many, many, many moons ago. Yeah. But 
how does this relate to folks today? I, I truly believe that he is probably calling all of us to live a life closer to what uh, Mother Teresa lived than, I'm not going to give another end of the spectrum, than what our lives really are. I'm just going to say, take your own life, and it should probably be closer to what somebody like Mother Teresa did than what we are actually living. And, um, you know, God can, God can answer prayers. He can wipe out hunger around the world. He can wipe out poverty. I think he is looking to all of us to meet that call and not, not spend the money on some of the things that we spend on. Uh, not to give our time uh, to a lot of the things that we give it to, but to truly um, give uh, sacrificially of of all the things that we have given, all the blessings that we have been given. And um, I don't. I I guess that would be um, my sort of just. I'm going to I'm going to do this for myself, but if anybody else wants to do it, it's just what is it that I need to a very small thing, what is it something that I need to give up um so that somebody else can have. You know, it's kind of ridiculous when you think about the things that I choose to spend money on or the things that I choose to do to make myself comfortable when I have the opportunity to share with somebody in need. So um, I'm going to challenge myself and anybody that wants to, to join in into saying, how can you give sacrificially, give in a way that um, you choose to do without so somebody else can have? Yeah, I think, um, well, one of the, I mean, we talked about the cost of discipleship, the book, and then mm-hmm. we, we worked in this passage, and it does seem to require a lot more sacrifice than I think a lot of people are um, willing to admit or teach about, yep. unfortunately. Um, but in Matthew uh, 19, verse 29, it says, um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And so I think it's very important that we remember that Christ is not calling us to sacrifice uh, just to sacrifice. He is, he is calling us to follow him. Um, and in that sacrifice, learn and appreciate the goodness of God so that when eternity comes, we will fully appreciate the house that he's gone to prepare for us. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not in the uh, business of enabling people or of spoiling people um, or buying their love. Uh, God, God is very much in the 
the process of refining people and of showing us that we cannot earn the great gift that he has. And so in that process of, of us sacrificing and of him refining us and of the Holy Spirit working in us and creating that fruit in us relying on the goodness of God, we realize that when we do get to the, the end, when we reach uh, you know, the pearly gates, as they say, we have a full appreciation for what God has chosen to give us. And so I think, um, you know, this story applies today because there is still a world full of people that are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. You know, and some people are, are going after Jesus and some people are going after a million other things. But it is important for us as believers to explain to the world who Jesus is and why he's different and that the sacrifices that we make along the way are not um, in vain and that the suffering that we have and, and all that stuff is not um, pointless, that Christ has paved a way for us to go. And, and it's not easy. No way of life is easy. Mm-mm. No way of life is easy, and most of them are not satisfying. Um, but what Christ has come to provide for us is a way to follow. Through the, through the hard stuff, through all of that, God will provide a way, and he proved that with Christ. He defeated death. That's the hardest way to go. You know? So, anyways. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> I'm distracted by the toilet water, which probably will be the title of the show. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm truly humbled by, by like our efforts, even at the podcast of just new equipment, excited about everything. Someone still has to poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think God just laughs at us too. It's so well, we're kind of funny. Yes. All right. Laughs at us in a good way. Laughs yeah. with, with us, us, not with at us, us, not at yeah. us. <laughs> laughs near us, not at us. But that's all right. All right. I think that's a good place to call it, Dave. Sounds good. All right. We'll get this figured out at some point. Yes. I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for episode 26. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really do appreciate it. Uh, remember to share your thoughts with us on Twitter at MasterclassFM or to email us at MasterclassFM at gmail.com and to also check out the show notes at MasterclassFM.com slash Masterclass slash 26. Goodbye.